Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 272, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, live at the T-Mobile Arena. We got the fans back in attendance for a blockbuster pay-per-view. I mean, Shaq, I remember when you and I used to hang out like, what, five, ten years ago, and we'd be watching like the videos of Jorge and Colby wrestling in their apartment. These guys were literally like best friends. And I also know you remember Colby dominating all those wrestling exchanges, but it was a lot of fun to watch, and they had such a camaraderie. And now, uh, allegedly and apparently, they're bitter rivals in this main event and the kind of venom that's been spewed. Uh this is one of the biggest grudge matches we've had in a long time, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, you know, Covington, we we uh we know what type of character he is. We we know Masvidal is one of the most, you know, the big one of the bigger names in the sport. I mean, ever since the Ben Askren uh flying knee KO, the Darren Till knockout in England. I mean, this guy, you know, he's a superstar. And Covington is too, man. I mean, Covington maybe um you know, not like the Instagram or Twitter followers like Masvidal, but I mean, we we you see that guy, you know him, and and uh, Kobe, he can fight, man. He, he backs his talk up, you know, nine out of ten times. So, you know, um, I'm excited to see this fight. You know, former best friends, uh, former roommates. I mean, George, you know, let this kid sleep on his couch for <laughs> for a while. You know, uh, you know, pretty much uh, gave him a start in his career. So, I'm excited to see these two two of the the best welterweights in the world, and uh, let's see who gets back in. In the title talks yeah and i mean this is such a big fight for both these guys not just in terms of the talk not just in terms of you know the rivalry but man jorge masvidal is 37 colby covington is 34 you know not writing off their possibilities of future you know title talks but i i would say this might be you know their last chance at a title opportunity with a win here yeah i mean um with the guys coming up in the division, you got Shemaev, you got uh, Bilal, Vicente. So, you know, um, I think uh, these guys need to win big. I mean, I think these guys' name value is a little more than those guys that I just mentioned. Maybe not Shemaev, but um, so, I mean, I still think, you know, whoever wins is still right there. Whoever loses is pretty much done. And in the co-main event, we got rda taking on henato moicano henato moicano said he wants big money he wants big checks boha well now he's got a co-main event on a pay-per-view against the legend shack uh yeah man i think uh henato moicano is a super talented fighter i mean i'm happy with this as a replacement it's unfortunate islam um turned the fight down you know he's got to you know run that back with dariush but i think uh this is a good fight i think moicano has top you know 15 ish type talent um it's just you know he kind of you know been a little hot and cold at times but all lost to like serious guys it ain't like he losing to to know uh you know pipsqueaks or anything like that so i'm excited for this fight moicano he backed his talk up he signed the contract you know uh islam didn't so uh i think uh this is gonna be a good fight rda a legend of the sport one of the best lightweights of all time i mean rda when he was making his come up i mean i was probably one of his biggest fans out there still still am i mean rda is a gangster rda ain't scared of nobody so um i'm excited for that fight as well and on a side note, since you did bring up Islam, I'm very curious what weight that fight was offered at. Um, just because, you know, he just cut down to 160 pounds last week against Bobby. 
And this fight with RDA and Moicano is at 160. So I'm curious. I know on Twitter, you know, talk is cheap, but what actually happened behind closed doors and what weight was presented on the contract? Did they try to get Islam to go back to 160 or was it offered at 170? So I think that's a key detail that I don't know and I'd love to know, but that's not what today's show is about. Today is about Masvidal and Covington and UFC 272. We're going to get right down to business. Everybody do us a huge favor. Smash that like button. And real quick, uh, Alexander Ryan commented. Good morning from Athens. Good morning. What's up, Alexander? Is it Athens, Greece, or Athens here in uh, in Georgia? Let us know, man. But either way, appreciate you being here. And shout out. It's Athens, Georgia. <laughs> GA represents. So, hey, appreciate all y'all being here. Smash that like button. Let's get down to business, man, because... First up in the 205-pound division, we got Dustin Jacoby, 16 and 5, taking on Michal Olegzechuk, who is 16 and 4. And currently, they got Dustin Jacoby minus 200. The comeback on Michal Olegzechuk is plus 180. So, Shaq, actually, out of all the fights on this card, this one is the toughest one for me to pick. I could see it going a variety of ways. I mean, I think it's going to be standing the entire time, but I could see either guy getting a knockout. I could see a three-round war. How do you kind of view this one, man? Because, I mean, you got the former, you know, glory striking background of a guy like Dustin Jacoby. But Michal, he's, he's you know, for a 205er, he's got that little man syndrome. He doesn't give a fuck who you are. He will walk you down. He will try to throw big bombs. Um, I think there's a chance someone hits the deck here. Yeah, 100 um, percent. This is a tough one as well, because I like both guys, man. Uh, you know, I've been really high on Jacoby since he came back. uh to the UFC I think I've bet him twice since he's been back and, and um he's fought tough guys man he fought Jan Kudalaba Maxine Grishin um and, and he's and he's done well uh Ola, Ola Chechuk, you know after that two fight skid against crew and uh OSP he bounced back granted that the, the two guys in my opinion uh modestus not in the UFC you know talented but just he, he didn't seem comfortable in that pocket to me and um i mean he lost the khalil roundtree uh with the with that with that leg kick as well um, no, modestus yeah, Mod yeah. Mod um, modestus and um and then his last fight against shamil gamzatov i know his last name's gamzatov but that guy ain't no real no real deal russian i mean i saw that guy fight eddie gordon barely got past him did he even beat clips in abreu i mean you know well you know these things um i mean mccall definitely treated him accordingly i mean walked him down went to his body knocked him out this is how i see the fight look i think the line's off 100 like i i think this is going to be a close fight I, I think jacoby has more weapons i think he's got uh hands and kicks and movement um as we're in mccall it's you know more predictable just straightforward but i mean it's a it's a hard attack to deal with man those body shots and and those straight lefts to the head are nothing to play with and it looks like he's been adding some slips into his game man he slipped modestus a few times and cracked him with that left hand and people saying that fight was a robbery i mean no like <laughs> it definitely wasn't a robbery at all um look i i think it's a dogger pass situation as far as a pick i think uh jacoby is i think he's gonna edge it out i think he's just gonna be too diverse come at him in too many different ways with the kicks um and in his length but man like there is a little bit of kickboxing chin there there is a little bit of uh he does get hit i mean 100 percent. but he's a tough guy man like he just keeps coming forward i just slightly lean him but from a betting side of things you got mccall he's plus 180 i think 
Jacoby should be like minus one fifty, you know, something like that. Um, so yeah, I think it is. You know, McCall is the side if you're gonna play this fight. I just don't feel comfortable laying Jacoby. He does take some damage, um, and McCall is not the guy you want to get hit by, man. I agree with that, and I will say this, man. Credit to Dustin Jacoby's toughness, because I don't, I don't know if a lot of y'all remember, but he was actually in the UFC like ten years ago, and he was completely not ready for the opportunity at the time. <laughs> and uh, now he comes back in there, and not only you know is he on an unbeaten streak, but he's been overcoming adversity in some of these fights, man. I mean, he got dropped twice by Maxine Grishin, goes on to win the fight uh, in the Iwan Kutalaba fight. I mean, you know what happens when you. If that in that first round with Iwan Kutalaba, you know, unless you're Magomed Ankaliev or one of these top guys, but usually that first round with Iwan Kutalaba, that motherfucker is hell on wheels. And the fact that Jacoby weathered that storm, um, came back, won the next two rounds, that's very admirable. And with Mihal Olegzechuk, I, I think that these last two fights were about getting his swag back. I mean, this guy came into the UFC hot, man. I mean, y'all remember that ass whooping he put on Khalil Roundtree. Um, John Vellante. Oh my God, the John <laughs> Vellante fight. And again, like, I understand that, you know, some of these guys he's been fighting, like, yeah, you can criticize Gamzatov and, you know, and, and Antigulov and Jean Vellante, but like, look how he handled those guys. He handled those guys very accordingly. I think the Modestus fight was kind of about getting his feet uh, wet, getting back in there. And also, Modestus is a fucking tall ass dude for the weight class. And I believe Jacoby is as well. Let me, let me check what Jacoby's height is real quick. Yeah, 6'3 with a 78 inch reach. So, you know, the thing that makes McCall so badass is that, like, I think you get him in there with uh, the nutritionist at the PI. This guy could drop the 85s. Yeah, I, needs to, this, needs his food. this guy could, this guy, <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, exaggerate, but you know, I think he could even make 170. but the guy's got the balls and the guy, um, he just doesn't give a shit. And the fact that he's walking down these big men just on a moral level and just as a fan, like how can you not respect him? And the fact that he's got his swag back, that, that makes me happy that like, you know, you take those plus 180 odds, at least he's going to fight for your money, man. At least he's going to go out there and try his best. And at least, I mean, unless Dustin Jacoby pulls out, you know, that uh, that Joker card and takes him down, which I highly doubt, like, this fight is going to stay standing the entire time. But Dustin Jacoby does have that glory background. I would say that, you know, I don't want to say he's more technical, but I'd say he's definitely more precise and the counters will be there. But that early going, man, and McCall touches him properly. Um, breaks him down with the body shots, goes upstairs to the chin. Mikal could get this knockout. So this is like literally the only fight on the card that I've been going back and forth on. The other ones, I'm pretty solid on my picks. But I'm going to go Mikal because I think the value is there, plus 180. But it it could get sketchy at times, man, because this Jacoby dude can strike for real. How is this the first fight on the night? They should have put, uh, they should have put like, you know. Uh, it's a good ass card. Yeah, I mean, you should have put Klein and Devonte first fight. Yeah, so I mean, real quick, I want y'all to know this is episode four twenty of Half the Battle. So uh, y'all uh, waking and baking with us. Uh, you know, it's good to see y'all here, man. Four twenty, four hundred twenty episodes. Y'all have stuck with us, man. It means the world. So smash that like button, uh, hit that subscribe button, let people know we're out here. Share, comment, retweet, like, all that stuff. Now, next up in the 155-pound division, we got a matchup between Ludovic Klein. He's 17 and four, taking on Devante King Cage Smith, who was 11 and three. And currently, they got 
Devontae Smith, minus 155. The comeback on Ludovic Klein is plus 135. So one thing to note is that Ludovic Klein is fighting at 155 in this fight. You know, his other fights, despite despite missing weight by a mile against uh, Shane Young, have officially been, you know, at featherweight. So let's see if he looks any different here at, uh, you know, at 155 pounds. But th the thing about this fight, it's like, both these guys, as a fan, I love watching. It's just as a betting man, I, I get very frustrated sometimes because offensively speaking, I mean, Ludovic Klein does have that devastating high kick. Devontae Smith, the one-twos down the pipe, the calf kicks. Like, I love what both these guys do offensively. It's just defensively and possibly mentally that's where you know i draw the line a little bit um you know with ludovic klein if you give this guy his space to dance around you and set up his big high kick i mean he can get some finishes man it's just uh with Devonte smith what i like about him is that i think he's going to have the more consistent volume i think he's going to establish his jab and his calf kick game is on point it's just um you know Sometimes when you put the pressure on him, that's when he tends to fold. But Ludovic Klein isn't really a pressure guy. He's more of a run around on the outside, point you up, try to set up that big high kick. And if he can land that high kick on Smith, he might get a knockout here. But I, I do think that Smith, you know, since he doesn't have to deal with someone that's consistently pressuring him like uh, like Jamie Malarkey did. But then again, there's also been, you know, some losses where you're like, dude, like what Cam the fuck? Worthy. Like John john gunther and comma worthy like when you've been finished by john gunther and comma worthy it's an instant red flag but i still feel like this kid has a lot to offer he's got a lot of athletic traits he's when he knocks people out he, he when he gets to you he gets to you so yeah uh this is one of those fights where it's like um i don't want to call them glass cannons or anything like that but like offensively speaking i love them both but defensively that's where again where i draw the line i'm gonna lean with Devonte smith man i think that this is his proper weight class i think that he's the busier guy and as long as he doesn't get caught with that big ass head kick um i think he should i think he should win this fight and also i think he's got more on the mat as well surprisingly um in that uh justin james fight i actually did see an improvement in his ground game um you know he was actually passing uh positions he was attempting a couple things so i like what i saw i just don't like how Devonte reacts to getting hit and you know conversely i don't like how ludovic klein reacts to getting pressured so yeah it, it, it's a tough one but i'm gonna go with Devonte smith to get it done yeah i mean it could go either way um i think his ground game looked good because he was fighting justin james and and i'll tell you what with Devonte smith man his last three fights I, i've even going into the uh, Malarkey fight, just that just I bet on him against Justin Janes and I didn't like the performance at all, man. Um, if you have to resort to grappling Justin Janes, like is just and you you know you have this reputation as a power striker and you know uh, and I just seen that when when that when that you know firepower got near his chin, man, he 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 doesn't like it and um and I, you know maybe the same thing is about um. Hell yeah, uh, Devontae Swan. Um, but yeah, I think uh, maybe nothing's different with Klein as well. He got broken by by uh, Nate Landwehr's last fight. You know, uh, a controversial decision against against Mike Trezano. But let's see if the if the weight cut was affecting him because I mean, Nate Landwehr he lost to uh, Julian Arosa. Julian Arosa has you know shown to be quite the competitor at one hundred and forty five pounds. Um, I know Devontae Smith knocked him out as well back in the day, but 
you know, man, I just don't like I, I see quit in Devontae. I see I see a guy that's nervous in there. Not saying Kleinsman's different, but I don't think uh Devontae should be like I think it should just be a pick 'em, man. I don't think uh, like I think when you put the the pressure on this kid, he'll fold. Like Takama Worthy, a guy that has no chin, that like all you literally Devontae, all you literally have to do is touch this guy. <laughs> And, and and he'll go out. I mean, you see what happened in, in Devontae, uh, not Devontae, but Kama Worthy's subsequent fights, man. He, he got touched in the first round in three straight fights and, and, and got knocked out. And that's something Devontae Smith couldn't do. He couldn't knock out Justin James like a weathered Mowgli Benitez could or uh, Charles Rosa even beat this guy, man. Like, fucking, like, Justin James is a can't. Justin James even lost his fight outside the UFC, man. Like, Justin James is should have never. He only got into the UFC on a last-minute limb, and Frank Camacho's a can as well, man. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm going with Ludovic Klein just because he's the dog. I wouldn't be shocked if Devontae won, but, I mean, Devonte, man, I, I question his heart. I question his mental. I question if he really has that fight in him. Um, and that's because he's. But, but does Ludovic have that fight in him? Well, because that's well, you know, that's the big argument. I just think they're the same. You know, like they're they're same same issues. Should be a pick them. You know, uh, like Devonte has more power with the hands. Ludovic has more uh, power with the kicks. But you know, I feel like late, Nate Landwehr. Jamie Malarkey are you know these these gritty type of guys you know these these guys that are rough and tough um so I just feel them as the same it, it should be a pick to me and shout out to our boy Devante Sewell uh tune into NFC 143 this weekend he's about to secure his 10th pro win and he's about to win a belt in a second weight class he's already the 135 pound champ he's trying to be the 145 pound champ as well we believe a win here and he's pretty close to uh getting a nice uh, opportunity so Devonte, we, we we already know what time it is man the uh, best of luck to you now next up in the flyweight division we got a matchup between tim elliott he's 17 and 12 taking on tagir ulanbekov who was 13 and 1 but between you and me he's 14 and 0 because i thought that he won that fight that he lost and currently they got it Currently, they got it. Tagir Ulanbekov minus two fourteen. The comeback on Tim Elliott is plus one eighty four. Um, do you think that <laughs> Tim Elliott can come out here and beat a Russian? No. Um, I think I've been seeing a lot of talk this week about you know how Ulanbekov hasn't covered his prices and um, all that good jazz, but. Tim Elliott, like I've said, and you know some of his past interviews, I, I think he's got a, I think he's got a bad attitude, man. Um, I think he's got you know this carefree, but not in a good way. Like, uh, you know, and you kind of see what some of his comments already this week saying, you know, Ulan Bekov's not dangerous at all, and you know, I'm like Tim, are you? Okay, are you dangerous? But okay, uh, you know, like I, I think Ulimbekov's gonna grind this guy, man. Tim, he's shown in the past that he'll fatigue, that he'll gas out. Yeah, he comes forward, a tough guy, a lot of heart, but he's not really accomplishing anything. He's walking like when he fought Askarov, another daggy. You know, he walked forward with his hands down, eating shots, and you know, as he definitely had some good tosses, but no top control. He's not really getting anything done he's standing there with those guys 100 nicolau and well, won the first round but it was more so due to nicolau like being a little hesitant about his chin and you know uh and if you consider that a knockdown i don't that in that first round um and, and he gassed out the last two rounds man um i, I 
and it's a, what happened in the Roy Vol fight. He gassed out. Um, you know, he got two little wins over two underachievers by the name of Jordan Espinosa and Ryan Benoit, two guys that are gone, you know, two guys that you'll never see again as probably. And, you know, I don't think that's enough to sit here. Like he's going to, he's live against the Russian. Look, look at Ulenbeko's first two fights. He fought two serious, okay, not serious Brazilians, but solid Brazilians, Bruno Bulldog two Silva. black belts. Serious black belts, one a, a Sohudo training partner, the other one a Charles Oliveira training partner. And I mean, Anasimento, that dude had some serious tricks on the ground. I mean, some of them leg locks, uh, you know, I was like, man, this guy, uh, he's actually matched to fight uh, Jake Hadley. So I'm I'm, I'm definitely uh, interested in that fight, you know, uh, with him and Anasimento. But Tim Elliott, man, is not in good condition anymore. He doesn't have a good mindset. He doesn't have a good attitude. Uh, and I th- just think that he's like one of these um, complainers, man. Um, just like, you know, he, it's always something like, oh, I didn't, they didn't score it for me. Oh, you know, this. I, I, Owen Beckoff, man, he, this guy's tough. He's, he can wrestle. He's got jujitsu. The striking might not be the best, but he'll stay in there. He'll eat shots. He'll dish out his own shots. I think Bruno Bulldog is a better striker than uh, Tim Elliott. Uh, maybe not Nascimento, but it's just more so due to Elliott's awkwardness. He's kind of all over the place. Maybe, you know, the timing may be a, a little tough to pick up, but I think that once they start grappling, Tim's going to... Um, Tim's going to get tired, man. I think that uh, once he feels this daggy strength and this daggy pressure and, you know, this this daggy work in the clinch, he's going to he's going to fold, man. Um, And I've seen it multiple times. So I think it could be a submission. I think it could be a 30-26 or just a, 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 a tough earned win. But I don't see Ulan Bekov losing this fight, man. I think, uh, you know, where they're from, you know, Tim, guys like Tim Elliott are, are right up their alley. Um. I think that, I mean, like Tim Elliott is just the, I think his best days are behind him, man. I think, uh, you know, there's nowhere else to go now but down. So I'm going to go with Ulan Bekov for the win. Look, I mean, I think if you're not quite on the level and you're an entry-level UFC fighter, then, yeah, I mean. Yeah, like t- if he's fighting Mark De La Rosa or something, you know. Yeah, t- <laughs> Tim Elliott can give those guys vet lessons for sure. And listen, I mean, the credit I'll give Tim Elliott is, there's no one like Tim Elliott. He's got a very awkward and unorthodox style. You can't really bring in guys to to mimic him. So to his credit, and, and he can wrestle too. So I mean, he's got some things. It's just that look, it's one. It's like two different things. As a fan, I love watching Tim Elliott. Like as a fan, how could you not watch? How could you not like watching him? He's a wild man. But as a betting man. I mean, I've made a lot of money fading this guy, and I got no intentions of ever backing him at the betting window. And uh, Tagir Ulanbekov, you know, I understand that on the feet, I'd yeah, I'd like it if he checked kicks more. Yeah, I'd like it if maybe he was a little bit more active. But when this guy gets those upper body locks and he starts going for those takedowns, man, um, this dude can not only scramble and he, He's got, he can maintain top control, and he's got the heart, man. You saw some of those submission attempts, but I want to say something else because I hear everyone talking about how this is going to be this three-round close fight. I feel like people forget that almost half of Tagir's wins are by submission, and Tim Elliott's been submitted multiple, multiple times, man. And if you watch that Nascimento fight, I mean, in that first round, Tagir had a mounted guillotine, where, and it was like a high-elbow mounted guillotine, and I have, I still to this day don't know how Alain Nascimento survived that. But what I do know is you put Tim Elliott in that spot and he's going to tap out, man. And 
I think that this might be that spot where Tagirulan Bekov comes out here and gets his first uh, UFC uh, submission. You know, um, these first two matchups that he's had were completely different than what Tim Elliott brings to the table. Look, Bruno Bulldog, you know, he's uh, he, he can hit pretty hard, but he's also a black belt in jiu-jitsu. You know, it's going to be kind of hard to submit a guy like that. Uh, I know he got submitted by a dude that was on steroids, but I'm saying, you know, in a, on an even playing field, it's going to be kind of tough to submit a guy like that. And Alain Nascimento, if you all don't know about Alain Nascimento, you know how I always talk about how Sodik Yusuf versus Mike Davis uh, was the best fight in Contender Series history? Well, I think the second best fight in Contender Series history is Howley and Paiva versus Alan Nascimento. And that's where you could see the amazing scrambles. So the fact that he was able to scramble against Tagir, like doesn't surprise me at all at all. But what but what does surprise me is like, dude, the way he escaped that first mounted guillotine, like I know Tim Elliott ain't surviving no shit like that. But look, on the feet, yes, the calf kicks are gonna be there. I know Tim Elliott is gonna do some calf kicks. I know when they tie up in the clinch, Tim Elliott's gonna Tim Elliott's gonna do his rabbit punches. And I guess I'd be worried about some kind of you know, moments of being out volumed. And I think, you know, maybe Tim Elliott can win a round at most. But like at the end of the day, when it's time for Tagir to get these takedowns, he's going to get these takedowns. He's going to take this guy down. I think he's going to pass. And I think eventually when Tim Elliott starts to fatigue, because the thing about Tim Elliott's style, he goes balls to the wall the entire time. And as a fan, that's why we love him. But as a betting man, he runs himself into the wall. So, you know, you, you just can't trust a guy like that. So I think Tagir Olenbekov is going to impress a lot of people. And I think he's going to come out here and actually submit uh tim elliott so give me to gear ulan bekov and again hashtag bet on russians long term you're going to be on the right side of the coin speaking of russians next up in the 135 pound division we got a match between umar nurmagomedov he's 13 and 0 taking on brian kelleher who was 24 and 12 and currently they got umar nurmagomedov minus 750 the comeback on brian kelleher is plus 500 so look i i agree that this kid um uh, uh, Umar, I mean, he's got the goods. I mean, you saw the grappling dominance against Sergey Moroza, but then in some of his past fights, you see that he's got a fucking serious kicking game too. Brian Kelleher, seasoned vet, junkyard dog. Uh, what do you think, man? I mean, is Umar ready to pass this uh, vet uh, test here? Yeah, man. Uh, Brian Kelleher is a tough guy. Been around the block. I mean, he's got some good wins as well, um, but you, you already know the deal. Uh, the deal here, man. He's going up against a uh, an, an army, and and he and he's probably uh he's probably in big trouble here, man. I, I like Kelleher in certain fights, you know, against guys that I feel are a little mentally weak, maybe don't grapple the best, or um, you know, or quite, green. yeah, you know, green young like Hunter or you know, things like that. Hennenberg Rao on the um, what do you say? We're gonna talk about how he was on comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. You know things like that. You know, you know, young, young, immature uh, fighters for sure. Kelleher. That's those. Those are the fights up his alley. But I don't see that with this kid. I've actually seen a couple of these dudes fight uh, back in um, the PFL or World Series or whatever. I mean, I thought he was a striker, man. Um, kicker, a, a really good kicker. Um, kind of reminds me of that kid Saeed that just finished. Um, 
Cody Stamen, uh not too long ago. So, yeah, man, you got to go with Umar. You don't want to fade uh, Anur Magomedov, man. I, I love Kelleher, Junkyard Dog. But, you know, once he once he feels this, uh, these kicks on the outside and once he feels uh, this grappling, I, I think he's going to. I think he's going to be outmatched. And real quick, back to the Tagir talk. Um, I wanted to also mention how, you know, this angle I've been playing in 2022 about these guys that can relentlessly shoot. One fundamental difference between him and Tim Elliott is Tim Elliott. Yeah, he can maybe get one or two takedowns, but he is going to fatigue. Whereas Tagir, I mean, he can go out there and attempt 13 takedowns and still be fine. And now moving up to Umar Nurmagomedov, what's great about him is that that kicking game is serious, man. I mean, the angles of those kicks, you think they're going to the body. All of a sudden, they go up top to the chin. But he can also mix in that high level. You know, I, I want to say, is it is it does he have a Sambo background? Or just either way, high-level grappling. He can do it all. So it's really just about, you know, is it first L time? You know, is he going to run into a guillotine? I highly doubt it. Look, I, I respect Kelleher, man. Again, we've been knowing about this guy a long time. Junkyard dog. He's fought everybody. He's going to give it his best effort. But I simply think Umar Nurmagomedov is too much. But I'll, I'll say this. I think that there's a chance, you know, Brian lasts all three rounds. And I'm going to say Umar Nurmagomedov via decision. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Marina Moroz. She's 10 and 3, taking on Maria Agapova, who is 10 and 2. And currently, they got Maria Agapova minus 180. The comeback on Marina Moroz is plus 158. So there's a lot of elements to this fight. You know, we'll break down the stylistic stuff, the number, all that, but like. There's a couple other factors. There's allegedly a massive beef between these two. I mean, there were some accusations thrown out. Apparently, these two don't like each other. Take it, take it for what it's worth. And then there's also Marina Moroz fighting, you know, for Ukraine. Um, you know, shout out, you know, prayers for Ukraine. So it's like, uh, it's going to be interesting. What do you think, man? Um, yeah, I mean, Moreau, she's uh, she's been out for a little minute, it seems like. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Agapova, you know, the Shayna Dobson fight was definitely one of the bigger stunts um, I think we've all ever seen. But, you know, that last performance um, against uh, Sabina Mazo, I mean, she looked she looked amazing. Um, I mean, finishing her real, real power shots. I mean, I always known she had the striking talent. It just seems like, you know, her her the mental side of things with her, you know, might be. You know, just because that that Shayna Dobson fight was a little uh, bizarre to me and. You know, I, I mean, some of the accusations that um, Moroz was saying about her, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, she might be a little crazy. But, uh, yeah, man, as far as how the fight goes, look, Moroz is a lot more experienced at this level. Um, and she did beat Sabina. She was Sabina Mazo's uh, first sell. You know, she took it to uh, Sabina, Sabina Mazo uh, first. But, man, I think Sabina Mazo... Uh, not Sabina Mazo, but Maria Agapova just has way more firepower. And I think Moroz is crafty and I think she's a vet. But I think that if, if, you know, I, I, I think that if Agapova shows up, I think that if her head is on straight and, you know, she's continuing to train, you know, with her team, um, her, her, her new team, um, 
because you know she got kicked out of tt i believe um i think that you know i mean her last fight that was i mean that's what you want to see movement on the outside firing thunderous shots i mean she was hitting tracy cortez with some thunderous shots as well and her contender series fight she just you know didn't have you know tracy cortez that's a that's a cejudo wrestler right there so she kind of uh struggled right there so um man I think that as long as she can stuff the takedowns, Marina does have some takedowns, um, that she will bust Marina up on the feet, man. I think Marina, you know, she's going to come in with the air punches and the sounds and, you know, very crafty, very smart fighter. Um, it's just that if Marie, if, uh, Agapova, uh, shows up, I, I think she, uh, I think she, I think she might even finish Marina Moroz. It's just, you know, I need like, some of those accusations Marina Moroz was saying is kind of like, okay, so she might be a little, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole mental health bullshit, but like, it's like, you know, is her head on straight? Is because you don't want her to get too angry and redline and come out here and try to, you know, KO Moroz in the in the first thirty seconds and then her gas out. I think if she fights the way she fought last time, she she will beat Moroz, maybe even finish her. I don't think this is a dog or pass situation. I like Moroz. Um, that last win against Myra Bueno was great, but she sustained a lot of damage in there, and I kind of feel like Myra Bueno Silva's got some type of like mental issue as well. Like she plays too many games in there. She she's not a fast reaction like um all stuff a takedown all stuff a takedown i mean um so yeah i think uh I, I got agapova man i know she lost to shana dobson and it's tough to back someone that uh lost to shana dobson at that number but the the, the latest performance um and, and maybe um so, uh, sabina mazo is a broken woman you know maybe maybe so because alexis davis did whip her ass as well but i think uh i'm gonna go with agapova by finish I mean, listen, man, flukes happen. I mean, Alexander Hernandez won a fight against Benil Dariush. Like, flukes happen all the time. This is MMA. It's still a fight at the end of the day. And, yeah, I mean, if Shanna Dobson and Agapova ever ran it back, I still got Agapova. Just like if Benil and Alex ever ran it back, I mean, I bet the whole bankroll on Benil. You know what I'm saying? So flukes happen, man. And I, and I think the, the reason the fluke happened was because you saw that UFC de debut by Agapova. I mean, she's the next Tijuana. Like, like, <laughs> like, look, I understand. Yeah, I know that people are literally saying just throw her in there with Joanna next. Like, I was like, wait, she just beat Hannah Cipher. But, but like, listen, I know that Hannah Cipher loses a lot of fights, but like, there's still like moment. Like, Santa Hannah Cipher's usually still has like a moment or two. Like, maybe like you know, landed a couple punches against Mackenzie Dern, it's done a couple things here and there. Whereas like uh agapova just goes out there blows her out the water and it was like yo like who's this chick like she might be a prospect to look out for and i think that just got to her head man i mean you even look uh during the fighter introductions uh i don't remember if it was bruce buffer or joe martinez but when um agapova was being introduced you know she's she's fucking like rapping yeah, and doing all these things much. i mean she she was basically she just doing, got her first 50k bonus man she yeah, <laughs> 150k bonus and, and they lose their minds you know what i'm saying and um it kind of reminded me of that fight between back in the day uh at ufc 136 um the night that frankie edgar fought gray manor for the trilogy there was a fight the first fight on the pay-per-view was actually between joe lozon and melvin gillard and melvin gillard was like on a big win streak it seemed like he had finally put it together but if you watch his walkout i mean the guy's got his sunglasses on he's jumping up and down he's rapping he's acting like the, the fight's already been won 
and showed zero respect and you show zero respect inside that octagon like it's still a fight at the end of the day gets submitted in the first round and and i think a similar thing happened with agapova and dobson you know she thought oh i'm fighting a fighter with a losing record like <laughs> you know I, I think she thought it was some kind of joke but you see how she came back firstly we'll talk about the performance itself but i actually thought she put on some size like she looked a lot more physically fit and some things that i'm gonna worry about down the line with agapova is that sometimes she kind of squares up her stance and some of these better strikers might be able to take advantage of that and i'm also not quite convinced that you know this cardio thing has been quite patched up you know i think that in the sabina mazo and, and the reason being it's not that agapova is not putting in her road work that's not what i'm implying at all i'm mostly saying she she's explosive she's bigger for the weight class and everything she throws is you know with the intention to hurt her opponent so sometimes that style will take a lot of energy but someone like sabina mazo sabina mazo basically does nothing and occasionally lands a big head kick sabina mazo wasn't able to put that pressure on her I'm curious if Moroz is. Now, I bet on Moroz, not here, but against Myra Bueno Silva. And that was actually the first fight um, of the pandemic. You know, that was the night that Charles Oliveira beat Kevin Lee. That was the first fight with no fans in attendance. It was crazy. And, man, uh, the only reason Marina won was because Myra Bueno Silva can't stuff a takedown. But on the feet, I was, you know, sweating every single stand-up exchange. So to me, this one comes down to a similar thing. I think that um, Agapova, you know, will be able to land the the harder shots. You always got to watch out for the tennis sounds uh, of Marina Moroz because she can be punching at air. And with these judges, you never know. Um, sometimes they favor that kind of thing. Sometimes shots that don't even land. You know, the fact that she made a couple sounds, you know, it might influence the judges a little bit. But I, I think that if Marina Moroz can get this to the mat, that's where I have questions about Agapova. Because you saw even on Contender Series, Cortez was able to get takedowns whenever she wanted. You saw how Shana Dobson finished the fight. Uh, Sabina Mazo doesn't push a pace. Sabina Mazo doesn't shoot takedowns. So that wasn't really a challenge for Agapova. So my whole thing here is on the feet, while I do think Marina can, you know, have some success, I think that the harder shots are going to kind of wear on her. Even the, the kicks, you saw the kicks were a big opening for Myra Bueno Silva. So I think that's one thing. But at, at the end of the day, if Marina can't get her to the ground, I think the more physical fighter here in Maria Agapova lands the more impactful shots, comes out here and, and, and wins this decision. So. Yeah, I, I am picking someone that lost to Shanna Dobson, but I think that was circumstantial. So give me Maria Agapova to win this fight. Now, next up in the 205-pound division, we got a matchup between Nikolai Negumeriano. Nikolai Negumeriano. Hold on. Negumeriano. He's 11-1. He's taking on Kennedy and Zetchuku, who is 9-2. We got romania versus nigeria and i mean both these guys are dogs man i mean i think that these are two guys that you know they're still developing their skills but they got the heart of lions man i mean you saw that carlos olberg versus kennedy and zechuku fight man i mean this dude ate everything but the kitchen sink had the composure to come out there get the knockout against danilo marquez gets his back taken the first two rounds had the urgency to go out there and finish in the third round now the Daun Jung fight. And firstly, y'all, uh, subscribe to Half the Battle and check out my interview with Daun Jung because that's actually the first ever long-form interview or podcast he's ever done in the United States. And it was fucking awesome. His 
his interpreter slash translator was super charismatic and entertaining. So it wasn't one of those boring ass interviews where every question was lost in translation. It was lost in translation. Like, you know, like we, like we, we got down to business on, on, on all that. And I even asked him about like, what the fuck happened in that Sam Alley fight? Like, so you guys got to check it out. But back to the reason I bring up Dawn John, check out my interview with him is because I wanted to know what opening he saw with Kennedy. And he said that Kennedy's got that super high guard and that he thought that, you know, if he can go up top with those elbows, he can compromise them. And that's exactly what he was able to do. I don't think that Nikolai Nagumarano has the same firepower as a guy like Dawun Jung. I think Dawun's someone you got to look out for. But what I do think that Nikolai has is he's just got that dog in him. He's willing to cheat to win. And I'm, and that's that at the bed. Nobody cheated. Oh, oh, you don't remember him grabbing the fence? No, uh, I don't. And then that fight against Kmore? Because I do. Never happened. <laughs> well, if the ref didn't see it, it didn't happen. Um, but to me, that's, I'm not saying that to knock him i'm saying that to say that this guy will do whatever it has to whatever he's got to do to win the fight so that's a quality you like in a fighter and then with kennedy it's just you know has he taken enough time off not just from the knockout loss uh against down jung but also he ate so many fucking shots in that Oldberg fight sometimes you just got to take a little time off to heal but there's the physical advantages here and the fact that I don't bet against Africans, you know, nine out of ten times is why I'm leaning here. I mean, this guy, this guy's got a five-inch height advantage. He's got a five-inch reach advantage. He's a southpaw. He's got the volume. Uh, he's got 80% takedown defense. And most importantly, you know, he's only nine and two in his career, man. Um, and I think with an athlete like that and a guy who's got the mindset like that, you're going to see these big leaps every single time. But again, if Nikolai can drag this into that dirty, gritty brawl where technique doesn't matter and it just comes down to who wants it more, not saying Kennedy doesn't want it more, just saying those are the kind of fights where Nikolai excels in. Um, so, yeah, there could be some moments, you know, Nikolai's the kind of guy he'll push through tough spots, but I think this is one Kennedy's going to take. So give me Kennedy to come out here and win this fight. Not sure if it's going to be a knockout. Not sure if it's going to be a decision. But give me Kennedy as the pick to win. Yeah, man. I think this thing is funny, like, how they think that fence grab, like, actually affected the outcome of the fight. It's oh, like, oh, he would have won regardless. <laughs> like, oh, my it, it, it was just more so to say like, he's, the, no, he's like willing to do The fact that, like, Kimura and them, like, legit tried to appeal, like, the commission was like, bro, get the fuck out of here. Nah, <laughs> like, nah, it's just to say that Nikolai is willing to do whatever it takes. That was yeah. my point. Okay, but I think, uh, man, this is a good fight, man. Kennedy, you know, I've always liked that guy. Um, this is a tough fight for me. This this one is actually my toughest fight to call because there's some things I don't feel the same way about Kennedy that I did maybe a, a few months ago, and that is because of some of the damage he's taken. Look, yes, Carlos Olberg is a talented guy, and he, um, you know, trains at a good gym, but man let's just be honest here he's had what how many fights did he have at the time of when he fought kennedy like three four, four or five yeah like he's a, he's a rookie and he might have a higher ceiling than nikolai but as of right now i mean he couldn't even finish fabio charant and he couldn't like he's he's a rookie he's got there's a lot more to uh go i think nikolai I think, man, his best days are ahead of him, man. Like, when you look at his uh, regional scene, like, I don't, yeah, I know he didn't fight anybody, but, you know, took care of business. His UFC debut, I mean, things got very dirty. Uh, and things got very dirty, <laughs> very quick against uh, Saperbeck Safarov. I mean, 
that, that was i mean Sephiroth, that dude just is a that's a that's a cheater right there like y'all trying to say nikolai's a cheater and priscilla and all these things like man get out of here like that's what you call a cheater like and then his next two fights, you know, Kamora, nothing special. But, I mean, I liked what I saw, a guy that doesn't take any back steps, a guy that has heart, a guy that has no fear in that cage. And when I look at Kennedy and Zetchiku, that's all I see is fear. I see a guy that doesn't use uh, his range. I think it was more so Olberg shot his load within, like, two minutes, and it was okay. I mean, the guy's gassed out. It's time to come forward. Olberg is a rookie. Um, I think Nikolai is not going to pull a mistake like that. Nikolai, if he loses his fight, is going to be because he left his chin up in the air and got sniped with the with the with the left hand. But is Kennedy going to throw? Let, let's just be honest here. The majority of Kenny, Kennedy's fights in the UFC have been shit. The Paul Craig fight, okay, you know, no sweat. Uh, Paul Craig has submitted Ankalib, Jamal Hill, um, you know, uh, some quite a bit of guys. No, no, so no sweat. But then you look at the Darko Stasic fight, complete shit. I mean, he. Darko Stasic lost two points. Then you go to his fight with, um, was it Olberg next? Yeah, so Olberg next, like I just described that one. And then the Danilo Marcus fight. Danilo Marcus, man, slow. I mean, good, you know, good black belt. But, you know, it took Kennedy like 10 whole minutes, man, to, to get that going. I see a slow starter in there, man. I see a path of victory that Nikolai can come out here and jump on this guy right away. Nikolai has no fear. Nikolai will eat his shots, man. He'll keep coming forward. And that's why I'm going to take him with this win here. I think he's going to come out here and get in Kennedy's face. And I think Kennedy's the type of guy that if, you know, the type of damage he's been taking early on in these fights, like, I just see a mental thing where he's just a slow starter. Like he's, he doesn't use his range and movement. He's sitting there plotting flat footed guard high. And, and he's just like, nice. I, I just want to see more, man. I think this guy's got a lot of potential, but I think that, um, I don't know. Maybe there's something not in his preparation not going right because I I, I, I would have expected him to be a little farther. I know he's got nine fights, but we're, we've been saying, you know, this for about two three years now you know when is he gonna um you know you know make that next leap um so yeah man look kennedy could definitely snipe nikolai nikolai definitely is open for some counters but i think nikolai's got more heart i think he's got uh i think this guy's underrated man i think his power is underrated i mean a lot of people were talking about Ike Vanilla Waivers live. I, I thought it was one of the bigger jokes of, of that year. <laughs> uh, Nikolai, I mean, you got to give him credit. Like y'all were, a lot of people weren't expecting him to come out there and finish Ike in the first round. Um, and he was like a three to one underdog to Alexa Kamar. He's an underdog here. I think he's gonna knock uh, Kennedy out. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a showdown between number three and number four. We got Marina Rodriguez. She's fifteen and one taking on Yan Zhaonan, who is 13-2. And, and currently, they got Marina Rodriguez, minus 250. The comeback on Yan Zhaonan is plus 210. Now, Shag, these are two ladies that have made us a lot of money. I mean, I've literally bet on uh, Yan Zhaonan every single UFC fight. I believe I'm 6-1 and one on her. And with Marina, I've been on her the majority of her UFC fights. Um the Carlos Barza fight really pissed me off on both sides. Um, but now, I mean, I see this being an exciting three-round striking war between two two of the best strikers in the division, hungry to get into that title mix. I mean, what do you think, man? Because this one will be exciting while it lasts. Uh, yeah, great fight. Um, I'd say this is probably a uh, number one fight for Marina. Um, I think... 
I mean, yeah, Yanchan and she kind of dropped the ball that last one. That was a little bizarre the way she approached that. I mean, you, I mean, we know what Carla Esparza um, bring brings to the table, and I mean, she kind of went out there and charged at her and didn't keep her distance and got taken down right away, and and that was that. So, you know, that was a little bizarre to me. You know, she's got the opportunity to uh, come back and, and and bounce back, and I mean, I'm gonna just be short and simple with this. Look. The line, is it off? Is it not off? Look, plus 210, and sure, that it sounds like a good thing. But honestly, man, when I see Marina's path right now, I just think the things that she's been doing on her, uh, on this current um, streak that she's on, those are those are the type of things I see someone that's going to be in a title fight here soon. Um, Chanin, I just think, has a, a, a little more ways to go. I just think Marina's a little more far farther ahead right now. I mean, we're talking about putting Amanda Ribas down, who was on quite the run at the time, like finishing her. Mackenzie Dern, who was on quite the run, exposing her badly. Um, we're talking about her performances against Tisha Torres back in the day, 30-26. Um, Nan definitely had some good performances there, but, you know, it was a little just lesser in my opinion. You know, Karolina Kovakevich is a punching bag. Claudia Gadelia, you know, retired a, a, a fight after that. And, um, you know, but I would say both of these girls, this is the best striker each girl's facing. Yeah, I like that plus 200 next to to Chanan 100%, but I'm going to pick Marina to get the to as a as a pick. Um as a betting side of things, yeah, sure you could say it's a dogger pass. I mean, at least, you know, find out at least, but I I'm going to pick Marina to get the win. I just think she's further ahead right now. I just think the the performances that she's been displaying um are what you want to see from a future title challenger. I don't think Chow Nan is there yet, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens um, this weekend. And, and man, one thing I like about Marina, man, is just like for a while there, she was frustrating me a lot because, uh, because of the re other wrestling, other wrestling uh, defense and the jujitsu, but man, I, I really feel like she's been working on that. Like the, some of the submissions she was attempting on Mackenzie Dern, the uh, Michelle Watterson fight. Like I see real improvements. I see her and uh, Tyler Santos. Man, they've been putting in work in the gym. So yeah, I think she's gonna come out here and just kind of. It might be a little bit of a slow fight. I think they might respect each other, but I just see Marina winning. Man, I think she's on a path to a title shot. I mean, I feel where you're coming from, but I also think that the people that Marina has been fighting, I mean, great fighters, don't don't get me wrong, but none of them have the striking acumen of Yan Xiaonan. This is, like you said, the best striker that either of them has fought. And I took uh, earlier in the week Yan Xiaonan plus 250. I mean, you're giving me Yan Xiaonan at plus 250 when I believe there's not a takedown threat. Um, Marina's only landed one takedown her entire UFC career. Now, granted, that doesn't mean she can't come out here and do it here. And I completely acknowledge the the improvements i mean she had a submission attempt on mackenzie dern like hey, hey that's some pretty badass shit but here i see this being a three-round competitive striking match and versus number three and number four in the world um and, and it wasn't too long ago that we were very like kind of pissed off at marina for some of these fights i mean like she'd be like dominating cynthia calvillo and then give up a 10-8 third round the random marcos fight she could have easily won ends up being a draw too. the Carla Esparza fight. Now, both of their Carla Esparza fights were just like, oh, my God. But here, this is completely different. There's going to be a three round striking fight. And it just comes back. It just comes down to who executes on fight night. Look, if Marina comes out here and dominates all, you know, all due respect her, all due respect her, win, lose or draw. I love both these ladies, man. It's just that plus 250 on the end, John, on in what I project to be a very close back and forth 
tooth and nail competitive technical striking match i mean i'm in man like before the carla esparza fight i was saying i would bet those kind of numbers on yan shanan against anyone in the division maybe now i can retract that statement you know because you put her in there with a good grappler okay maybe she'll get exposed there but striker versus striker uh, number three versus number four in the world and i get plus 250 on one of them I i'm taking my shots man so <coughs> excuse me i'm going with yan shanan to edge out this decision so let's cash this plus 250 yeah and let's see what happens and marina will be back for sure next up in the lightweight division this is going to be really good headlining the prelims we got jalen turner he's 11 and 5 taking on jamie malarkey who is 14 and 4 and currently they got jalen turner minus 155 the comeback on jamie malarkey is plus 135 so man i love this fight because jalen turner like dude I was not high on him at all when he came to the UFC. I mean, on his regional scene, he took some some brutal-ass knockout losses, and I thought that, man, maybe his chin's a big issue, but he's also a kid, and he's also you know six foot three he's got a very long reach and he knows how to use his range most importantly and i feel like i've been seeing big improvements fight by fight now granted the level of competition may not be the best and this is definitely a step up but this is also the first time that um jamie malarkey has ever fought a guy who, who's six foot three who's that much taller than him and jamie malarkey's also a guy he's he's really known for his toughness man i mean he can take that ass whooping up front and then if you start to slow down on a guy like Jamie Malarkey, if you kind of blow your load against a guy like Jamie Malarkey, I mean, he he will turn up on you. Um, so my my path to victory for Malarkey would be like him getting lit the fuck up, uh, you know, the first round and a half. And maybe, you know, I don't think that there's a gas tank issue with Turner. Because, I mean, the dude's definitely, like, for him to make 55, like, the guy that size, he's definitely putting in his road work. I think it's more so of a thing of him possibly getting tired from whooping Malarkey's ass. That's where a comeback finish could, uh, could come from Malarkey. But honestly, man, as much as I respect Malarkey, I mean, the guy is a dog. The guy is willing to fight to the bitter end. And I understand if you're taking the shot on him, win, lose, or draw, he's going to try to win this fight. So, like, at least we can give him that. But I kind of think these long-range tools of Jalen Turner are on point, and now I'm starting to question: um, was the was it really a chin issue? Because I've been seeing him get clipped with some hard-ass shots and eating them fine. I think he's got better composure now. He uses his distance a lot better now. And honestly, man, I actually think he comes out here and knocks out uh, the very tough Jamie Malarkey, and I think he makes it three and zero from fighters down under. So uh, give me Jalen Turner to win this fight. Yeah, man. I mean, um, Malarkey is a tough guy. I mean, his uh, I definitely can tell he's been um, training with Volk, a guy that actually knocked him out back in the day. Um, you know, Brutally. But, you know, he is actually staying at his crib, I believe, and he's, uh, you know, working with um, Volkanovski's coach, Mr. Uh, Lopez. So, you know, Jamie Malarkey, I mean, he fought Riddell. He fought Volkanovski. You know, they welcomed him with open arms. I like to see things like that in the game. And uh, he's got Ross Pearson as his coach. Shout out to Ross Pearson. Uh, Ross the Real Ross, Deal. Yeah, Ross, Ross Real Deal Pearson. We I saw think. him fight Masvidal in Atlanta. That dude was a, a badass in his day, man. Um, but, yeah, as far as this fight goes, man, I, I was actually impressed with Jalen Turner, man. Um, 
even going around the time he fought cool about i know cool about a featherweight but like i mean he, he looked good in that fight um and in his next fight against uh brock weaver i mean he put on a show and um you know they were talking trash and i was like okay jalen i mean to be honest when he fought on contender series you know how they do a they let a fighter um they let a fighter talk about them you know when they're when they're doing their thing i mean this guy had like rda and bisping vouching for him saying that yeah he was nate diaz for me he was anderson silver for me uh for bisping and they and rda said it like he's like this kid's got all the talent he just has to believe in himself um like it, i think it was just a, a confidence in himself thing so i think he is more confident now in himself uh, i mean he had to fight vicente luque right out the gates and took a vicious knockout loss. I mean, you know, the type of vicious KO losses Vicente dishes out. I mean, that guy uh, is brutal. So, like, I think that uh, Jalen Turner, man, I think he paid his dues, uh, you know, lost in Atlanta to to, to Matt Frivola, but he's, he's bounced back since. Um, look, I, I, yeah, I see him touching Malarkey. Malarkey gets hit. I mean, even the Devontae fight, he got wobbled and cracked in that first round. It's just that... Devontae quits when the when you know shit hits the fan and you know when uh Jalen Turner when shit when shit hits the fan I think that he's got more heart like I agree I don't think he has a cardio issue one thing I like about the medic fight I mean he was attacking all levels legs body head took him down had his way with him on the mat I mean it was very impressive he's actually getting coached by um uh, you know, my boy Ozzy, I forget how to say his last name, Ozzy Dubala. He was supposed to fight Justin Gaethje at one point, but, uh, and, and, oh, Dugal, Dugal yeah, Dugal, that Dugal guy, Chris Wade. Yeah. Holy uh, shit. I haven't heard yeah, that name. It's actually his coach. Now I just saw it on Instagram. Is he retired now? Yeah, he's retired, but he's, uh, he's Jalen Turner's coach now, his grappling coach. So, you know, uh, I feel like Jalen Turner's making real improvements. Yeah, I agree, man. I like Malarkey. I think he's tough, but he, he just gets hit too much for my liking in this fight. Like Jalen Turner, 6'3", long weapons, knees, kicks, hands. Um, all Jalen has to do, in my opinion, is not quit or not get broken. I mean, Malarkey has a lot of heart, and Malarkey is not going to quit. So, you know, he's just got to what – I, what I usually say, he's got to beat his ass for 15 minutes, you know, um, the whole time, you know, not just, you know, uh, a round and a half and then and then fall apart down the stretch. I, I don't see him doing that, man. I think Devontae Smith has shown – signs of that i mean just look at his fight since he came back so i think uh i, I got jalen turner as well all right so we're gonna break down this main card you know starting with hardy and spivak but before but before we do that everybody do us a huge favor smash that like button for us hit that subscribe button and i want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor prize picks so guys prize picks is the simplest and easiest way to make money on daily fantasy sports all listeners of Half the Battle will receive an 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using our code BATTLE. Um, and, guys, uh, last week, I keep telling y'all, man, this angle is never going to get old. You take these grapplers and you you smash the unders on their significant strikes. The Ram the Ramiz Brahimai over under on significant strikes was 34. This dude literally goes out there and doesn't throw a single punch. Do you understand what I'm saying? I also hit the under two takedowns on uh, Misha Sirkunov. Uh, thank God that hit, because he only hit one takedown. I got kind of worried there. Um, but, you know, shout out to my boy Wellington Terman cashing that dog money bet for both of us. But, yeah, uh, the but the one that I'm most proud of is that Ramiz Brahimai under 34 strikes. He goes out there and lands zero strikes. Like, guys, these are the spots you got to capitalize on. So when you see these grapplers, you know these are going to be grappling, grappling heavy fights, smash those unders. Like, 
let's see what the over under on Tagir Ulanbekov uh, significant strikes is because if it's priced too highly, we're gonna take advantage of that. So again, you guys can combine multi sports. You can do the same sport. And the thing I like about it is that you know you can make a lineup of two players, two fighters, whatever, three, four, five. Um, you can go two for three and cash out. You can go three for four and cash out. You can go four for five and cash out. But if you hit that a hundred percent, you're going to cash out even more. So I fucking love price picks make sure y'all check them out. Use my code battle for an hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars at prizepicks.com or download the app and, uh, let's get this money guys. Now, Kicking off the main card, we got a heavyweight matchup between Sergey Spivak. He's 13 and 3. He's taking on Greg Hardy, who is 7 and 4. But really, um, he's actually 9 and 3 because the Alan Crowder fight, um, I mean, he beat Alan Crowder's ass. The Ben Sasali fight was called a no contest. So, I mean, I thought he won both those fights. My, Don't use your inhaler. So, you know, <laughs> my, my book, he won both those fights, but it is what it is. But Back to how they match up here. You know, to me, this one actually is kind of black and white. You know, I don't want to sit here and say striker versus grappler because I do think that Sergey Spivak can come out here, have some success on the feet too. He does like to pop his jab. Um, He is kind of, you know, slow and methodical. But my issue with Spivak is, you know, if you hit this guy right, uh, you know, like Walt Harris did, like uh, Tom Aspinall did, you know, he doesn't have a problem, you know, living the fight another day, which I don't blame him at heavyweight. These guys hit hard as hell. And if he wants to stand and bang with Greg, with Greg, not saying that Spivak can't win that fight, but that will give Greg Hardy a chance to come out here and possibly get a knockout. But the other thing I will say, if Spivak comes out here and gets on top of Hardy, the fight is going to be over shortly after. Hardy has nothing off his back. I mean, I understand Tybura is a top 10 guy. I understand Tybura also beat Sergey Spivak. But, you know, there was a fundamental difference. I mean, when Tybura was taking down Spivak, I mean, it's not like Spivak just turtled up and quit as soon as the fight hit the mat one time. Whereas it seems like Greg Hardy, you know, with the whole inhaler thing, it seems like, yeah, there is a cardio issue if fights go past the first round. Um and but most importantly, back to the ground talk, Sergey, like I got to imagine coming off that knockout loss against Tom Aspinall, I doubt he's going to want to stand and trade again. I mean, you never know where these guys heads are at, but I'm guessing that he probably wants to take the path of least resistance, take this guy down, get on top of him and pound him out. So I'm going Sergey Spivak via ground and pound TKO. Yeah, man, Greg Hardy. I think he's doing it again, man. Um, Is he talking about boxing Deontay Wilder again? No, but just you know, I don't know, man. It's just giving me a bad vibe because it's unfortunate because I thought he was at one point on the right track, you know, to to being pretty successful. But now, man, I, I I'm not um I'm not sure sure he's gonna last. I mean, unless you know, Dana just wants to keep him around because the fans will watch. But I mean, he's saying shit about Ty Tuivasa saying how I how he knows Ty would never fight. I'm like, bro, like just stop. Like Ty knocked out Derek Lewis, dude. <laughs> bro, Ty ain't even worried about you, bro. Like this, Ty's on trying to get a title. Like fucking. But yeah, man. Um, Spivak doesn't like getting hit, and I didn't like his performance against Alexi Olenek. I actually bet him like. It was a pretty hefty line, and I was I was sweating there in that fight. I was like, bro, like, on the feet, I definitely don't like it. On the mat, oh, yeah, 100% on the mat. I mean, he'll play with Greg all day. I mean, that's that's easy work. Um, 
it's just bro please get him down you know like please don't don't uh and i think greg's carrying too much weight like i'm hearing shit about he's 295 pounds um i think that's the reason why he gassed out in that tybura fight i mean he was smacking tybura up and then he uh hit that wall and quit so um and then the taitui vasa fight cracked him as well so i mean greg can crack if he cracks Spivak, man i'm not confident Spivak is gonna uh is gonna like it but man if spivak can just get that single leg get a double leg get a get a, a head and arm throw or something like that you know get that scarf hold and that schoolyard you know and, and let's finish this guy man because he's got nothing on the ground he folds he's not mentally tough i, I think he's very mentally weak um i mean you're using your inhaler in the middle of a fight like that just shows how mentally weak you are like like, can you actually believe that he thought that was okay? <laughs> like, you had to resort to illegal <laughs> tactics against Alan Crowder. Like, bro, it wasn't. It was, it was against uh, Ben Sasali, like the biggest fucking can, like fucking like dude use an inhaler for that guy <laughs> like fucking uh it's, it's just it's very telling to me man so yeah i'm gonna pick spivak by default um but as far as the betting side things mm, you know that line but man like i said spivak just get him down please <laughs> like, get him down now next up in the welterweight division we got a matchup between kevin holland he's 21 and 7 taking on alex cowboy Oliveira, who is 22 and 11 and currently they got Kevin Holland, minus 330. The comeback on Alex Cowboys, plus 270. So as you know, um, Kevin's dropping to 170. He has fought at 70s in the past, but, you know, he's actually doing it right this time. He said that back in the day he'd be, like, eating cookies the night of the fight, and, you know, he wasn't taking shit seriously, whereas now, you know, he's got the UFC people telling him exactly what to do to make the weight properly. And Alex Oliveira, I mean, we've been watching this guy a long-ass time. Always going to have a soft spot for him. Can't wait to see what happens in this fight. Uh, Shaq, I've been drinking a shit ton of water, so I, if you'll excuse me for a sec, but I'm going to let you uh, take this one first, and I'll be right back. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, Alex Oliveira, definitely his best days are, are, are behind him, and Kevin Holland, I mean, arguably could be on a three-fight losing streak, but, you know, I think, I think this is lined accurately, man. I think that Alex Oliveira, I mean, you put, you put his arms around his neck and uh, – he, he will tap out. I mean, that's always been an issue for him, his decision-making, his fight IQ. Um, so, yeah, Kevin Holland definitely definitely uh, struggled a bit at 85. But let's not forget, man, he was in there with guys like Marvin Vittori, who's, I believe, number one or number two at middleweight. Derek Brunson, who was on, on um, quite the run himself as well. He saw a level at 185 that just kind of blows anything Alex has done recently out the water, in my opinion. Hence, that's why he's the big favorite here. Um, so, yeah, man, I think Kevin Holland um, is going to probably choke out Alex Oliveira, man. Um, he's like, uh, I see what my boy Rick Sanchez is saying. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing the he's been doing the grappling competitions. I, I see him getting submission at some point. Uh, it could be chaotic. It could be chaotic uh, in the early goings. Alex usually brings that Kevin as well, you know kind of a little loose um but yeah i see him even if he has to go on his back for a little bit i see him getting that sub at some point in that 15 minutes so yeah kevin holland for the win would you pick kevin holland by submission submission yeah listen um 
Alex Oliveira, man. I mean, the thing that made him so great in his come up is that like this dude is super physical. And when he would get guys up against the fence in that clinch and he'd be landing these brutal knees and man, he used to be able to pick guys up over his shoulder, slam them. I mean, I know you remember the destruction of Will Brooks back that back in the day. I'll never forget that beat Tim means. I mean, he's had a great run, man. And from time to time, he'll go out there and surprise you. Very physical guy. But with Kevin Holland, man, he's always been ultra talented. He's always had the size. It's just about him, you know, putting everything together. And I think he's starting to put everything together. Like, I understand the last three fights didn't go his way. But the thing you got to understand about that is that, you know, when you're fighting Derek Brunson, who, you know, was a top five guy at the time at middleweight, Marvin Vittoria, top three guy at the time at middleweight, like, um, not trying to do no MMA math, but those both those guys would submit <laughs> Alex Alex Oliveira in the first round. You know the Dawkins fight was unfortunate. What uh, what happened there with the head clash? Not saying he would have won. Not saying he would have lost. We don't know. We'd have to see that one run back. But he decided, hey, I need a change. Dropping down to 170 pounds sounds like he's doing it the right way. Got you know the nutritionist at the PI helping him out. He's gonna have a massive size advantage at 170 pounds, man. I mean this guy is six foot three. Um, I believe because, you know, Neil Magny had the longest reach in the division. Um, but now we got a dude in Kevin Holland who's got an 81 inch reach. So I think uh, you guys got to let me know what uh, what Neil Magny's reach is, man. Um, but either way, uh, Kevin Holland's right up there with the biggest reach uh, in the division. And he's going to be one of the taller men there as well. And basically how I see this one going is that. You know, I think those long range strikes are going to be there for Kevin Holland. And I also think that an opportunistic submission is in play as well. Like I get that Kevin Holland doesn't have the best takedown defense. Now I'm sure he's patched up some elements of it, but I still think he'll get taken down in fights. But I don't think a fight's automatically over just because he gets taken down one time, man. I mean, I think that this guy can get back up to his feet uh, against an opponent like this. I think he can possibly sweep him. And I think he might even be able to get a takedown of his own, man. I mean, I saw like even in that Nico Price fight, which, um, you know, I should probably keep this to myself, but I'm not going to anyways. Like, dude, if they rebook that Nico Price for a Salikov fight, <laughs> all I got to say is it's max bet season because what I saw from Alex Oliveira and Nico Price in that fight, um, and again, it's not to disrespect two guys who I love watching. Nico Price, so exciting. Alex Oliveira, I mean, I, I love both these guys. It's just that with those guys that take so much damage, like there's only so long they can do this for. So be looking to fade both guys moving forward. But uh, in this fight specifically, like, yeah, I think they'll have some good exchanges, but eventually I do think Alex Oliveira shoots that sloppy shot and gets submitted. Eventually I do think that Kevin Holland lights him up with big body kicks, maybe even drops him with a straight right and, and capitalizes on an open neck and, and chokes him out. So give me Kevin Holland here. And I actually parlayed him with uh, Patty Pimblett, who fights in two weeks. I think Patty Pimblett has a super favorable matchup against Kazula Vargas. I think it's easy work for both guys. So I parlayed them uh, to win two units. Um, so, yeah, give me Kevin Holland. And I'm thinking uh, via submission here, but I could see him win by, by any means. I mean, decision, knockout, but my pick is submission. Featured bout in the featherweight division. We got Edson Jr. Barboza. He's 22 and 10, taking on Bryce Mitchell, who is 14 and 0. And currently, they got uh, Bryce Mitchell minus 165. The comeback on Edson Barboza is plus 145. So I got a pretty strong opinion on this one. Firstly, I mean, all 
credit to Edson Barboza, one of the most exciting and dangerous uh, knockout artists in the history of the lightweight and now featherweight division. I mean, this is a guy who has knocked guys out with head kicks, spinning head kicks, with body kicks, with leg kicks, with punches. I mean, he's literally done it all. He's got such a um, a special skill set that you got to look out for but the thing i love about this guy bryce mitchell guys i've been talking about this angle over and over and over again and i'm riding this angle until the wheels fall off man these guys that can shoot relentless takedown after takedown after takedown and not get discouraged these guys are money machines man and with bryce mitchell if you actually hear him talk and and i'm not talking about the conspiracy shit or the government i'm not talking about if you hear him talk about his philosophy of the fight game I like everything I hear. Like he knows like what the biggest concern here is, which is Edson kicking his head off his shoulders. And if Bryce Mitchell decides that, Hey, you know, I want to stand and bang with Edson Barboza. Not only do I deserve to lose this bet on Bryce Mitchell, but uh, he deserves to get knocked out, but he's not going to do that, man. He's going to come out here and take Edson Barboza down. And I'm not even going to bring up the Habib fight for the sole reason that if I bring up the Habib fight, then I'm going to have to hear a bunch of bullshit comments about, Oh my God, you're comparing Bryce Mitchell to Habib. So I'm not even going to, talk about the Habib fight what I will talk about however is the Kevin Lee fight and what Kevin Lee did was walked him down the second the bell rang to the second the fight was over and when Kevin Lee wanted to take down Edson Barboza he took him down and Edson Barboza couldn't get back up now why is that different from the Makwan Amirkani fight the diff- the reason it's different is because Makwan Amirkani backed up the entire time. Makwan Amirkani waited until Edson Barboza busted him up to finally decide to start shooting. Whereas Bryce Mitchell is going to shoot from the second the bell rings to, to the second the fight's over. And again, maybe that first takedown gets stuffed. Maybe that second, third, or fourth gets stuffed. But Bryce Mitchell is going to be there to shoot that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth takedown and do whatever it takes. And I think when he does finally take him down, Edson ain't getting back up. Back to the Makwan Amirkani fight. Like I said, the difference between the Kevin Lee fight and the Makwan fight is Makwan didn't put the pressure on him. Makwan didn't walk him down. Makwan backed up the entire time. And finally, when he was beat up enough, he decided to shoot a takedown. And guess what? He actually took him down and he held him down. The only reason Edson got back up is because Mario Yamasaki's stupid brother decided, oh, guys, you need a fight. You need a fight. Well, thank God, you know, that guy is not going to be in attendance here to uh to ref this fight so what i think is going to happen is bryce mitchell is going to come out here take down edson barboza hold him down land some ground and pound possibly find a sub but most likely come out here and get this decision so i don't think edson barboza can, can get back up from bottom and again if bryce decides to bang then you know i deserve to lose this bet but he's not going to decide to bang that performance against feely was very impressive and firstly i'll go ahead and say i think feely has a lot better wrestling than edson barboza feely i've seen feely take down d1 wrestlers didn't he hit like uh four takedowns on dennis bermudas uh, i'm pretty damn sure so i mean feely's got some very underrated wrestling and the fact that feely was able to reverse some positions that doesn't that's not an indicator that edson's going to be able to reverse position and also when shit did kind of get sketchy at times you know in that second round bryce has the composure to you know he didn't freak out he didn't start doing anything stupid he still went out there and finally got the takedown at the end of the round got 230 27s 
the I love these kind of fighters, man, at the betting window. And I'm riding these kind of trains so the wheel falls off. Like I'm telling y'all, the Murab Davalashvili's, the Bilal Muhammad's, Bryce Mitchell, Nick Maximov, Ronnie Lawrence on a higher scale, Islam Akachev, you know, if you can get a good line on him, you know, with Islam, it's going to be like minus 900. It might, might not be bettable, but if you can get a playable line on these kind of guys, this is an angle I'm riding all 2022. Like, hey, maybe this one loses, but seven out of 10, eight out of 10, nine out of 10, like, these kind of fighters are going to be winning fights long term, and I'm going with Bryce Mitchell to come out here and dominate Edson Barboza. Yeah, man, I think. Uh, yeah, man, I think Edson's best days are behind him 100. I kind of like him better at lightweight than featherweight personally. Um, man, but I saw some pictures of him. Man, I will say, don't be shocked if Edson fails his drug test this weekend. But, uh, but once he not ripped, <laughs> no, I mean this time it's like particularly the oh is he like, like shiny yeah, and stuff? like i'm like whoa he's glowing i saw, I saw him <laughs> i was like yo he just put the needle in himself like <laughs> um yeah i like bryce mitchell liked him since uh tough i think he's a strong wrestler um yeah i just don't see the first l coming to this guy i see it coming at some point uh, yeah i just think he needs to stay on him move forward edson we know he doesn't like you know high-paced fights we know he will gas he will fatigue um yeah very glowy very glowy adrian i mean no just go like go to his instagram like Brady is glowing dude like i was like yo this dude he's mad about that chikaze fight <laughs> like, yeah i think bryce he just gotta make sure he doesn't shoot any naked shots because i do see some some holes in that you know but you know those are low percentage things or you know where i'm implying that edson might land like you know like a flying knee or i mean he has done that before um you know, but at this stage in his career, I just see more, more labored, um, you know, um, Bryce has just got to you know, make good decisions, you know, don't shoot a naked shot, you know, um, I, I do agree with that second round, um, you know, when things, when things hit the fan a little bit, he, he, he may, he maintained his composure a little bit, but, um, you know, Edson's a different ball game, a different ball game striking. So 100%, but yeah, I, I like Bryce. I, I think, uh, I like the camo shorts thing. I like, you know, all that good stuff. Um, I think he's just gonna just be moving forward, staying on him. But I do think there's probably, he's going to get cracked a couple of times. He's just got to, you know, don't get knocked out and just stay on him, hug him, hug that waist, you know, hug and kick his, uh, you know, do the little foot stomps and the, you know, all that good stuff. So yeah, I think, uh, Bryce Mitchell will edge out a decision. Co-main event of the evening, we have an 160-pound catchweight fight. And this is a five-round fight, by the way, guys, between the former lightweight champion, Rafael Dos Anjos. He's 30-13, and 13, taking on Renato Moicano Carnero, who is 16-4. And, and currently, they got Rafael Dos is it, I don't know if it's Rafael or Rafael, but they got RDA minus 170, and the comeback on Hinata Moicano is plus 150. Shaq, uh, Moicano said he wants big money, he wants big checks, poha. Well, now he's got it. Five-round co-main event against the legend of the sport. You think he rises to the occasion here? Um, man, it's a good fight. I like this fight. Man, Dos Anjos is, you know, he's still, he's still got it. He's still good. Um, big, huge fan of Dos Anjos. I actually... You know, back when Anthony Pettis was the the man in the days, man, I actually said that um that he uh that he would he would dethrone Anthony Pettis. Went on to be cowboy as well. Uh, man, I think this is a risky fight he took though, man. Like for who? For Dos Anjos. Oh yeah, yeah um, I agree. Fucking, this is just 
I, I get it. Dos Anos is a gangster. Dos Anos ain't scared of nobody, but there's always a time and place to fight. And Makano, I mean, look, yeah, we know his weaknesses. He's been KO'd how many times? One, two, three times, uh, submitted once, um, 100%. Um, but he should he should still be in shape unless he really started, like, going crazy on the food, uh, you know, after the fight. But I, I'm pretty sure I saw him in the gym, like, that next day day or two like you know at least he was there like so i still think moicano's probably gonna be in shape at least you know good shape um look i do think he was slowing down a little bit after some of those grappling exchanges against hernandez um but he was able to alex hernandez is just nowhere near that level and he was able to catch him with the hands you gotta definitely be worried that the longer this fight goes dos Anjos, i mean he's very efficient he's always comes prepared uh for the most part uh, he just has a, a kryptonite matchup you know with wrestlers um those are those are usually his downfall but um yeah man i'm gonna just take dosanos because I, I think he's more prepared but from a betting side of things i think it's moicano or pass i think that this is playing with fire like moicano isn't even ranked right like fucking I wouldn't have taken this fight. Moicano's very talented if he puts it together. And to be honest, his career at 155 has been impressive to me. He only lost one fight to Fiziev. But if you actually watch that fight, like, Moicano was touching Fiziev. Like, Fiziev wobbled, got stunned. It was just, you know, you hang in that fire too long with a guy like Fiziev. And just ask Brad Riddell. I mean, Brad Riddell thought he was in a chess match, too, with him. And then all, uh, out of nowhere, he he's, doesn't know where he is. And he's unconscious. He was like, damn. Like, I can't believe he, like, just look at Brad Riddell's face after he got knocked out. He couldn't believe it. But, like, I think, uh, I just think, you know, the first two rounds are, I think this is going to be a close fight. Like, like it's going to be in range uh, for Moicano, I believe. It's just uh, down the stretch. Will his cardio hold up? You know, Dos Anjos likes to mix in the takedowns in there. Very good pressure fighter. I mean, maybe one of the best pressure fighters of all time when he's at his best. So, yeah, man, I'll take Dos Anjos, but I'm going to say a close decision, you know, uh, uh, one where you got to sweat it out. My boy Jimmy says this ain't Jai Herbert or Alex Hernandez anymore. And you're right. It's no shit. It's not Jai Herbert and Alex Hernandez anymore. But let's not sit here and act like Hinato Moicano didn't put on a three-round clinic against Calvin Cater. Let's not act like Hinato Moicano didn't drop Cub Swanson with a jab, go out there, choke him out. So let's not let's not sit here and discredit this guy. He's got some good wins under his belt. And I think that now he's that he's moved up to 155 pounds, plus he's got the five extra pounds to work with at 160 pounds. That actually behooves him. The only thing is I got to see um what they look like on the scales like does does Morcano have a little extra flab does he got some love handles or or is he looking ripped has he been staying in the gym because he took no damage against alexander uh hernandez and by the way did you did you know that at one point islam makachev and hernandez were scheduled to fight yep. like could you imagine the massacre that would have occurred in that fight but back to this like listen RDA is a legend of the sport. And if you want to see a beatdown, if you want to see an ass whooping, if you want to see a championship level all time performance um, after this show and click the like button. But after this show, go to Fight Pass and check out Anthony Pettis versus Dos Anjos. I mean, that is like an all time legendary performance. Go watch uh, Dos Anjos versus Nate Diaz as well if you want to see another vicious ass whooping. If you, you want to see uh, RDA flying knee KO Benson Henderson, yeah, check that Benson. out too, man. I mean, like, RDA is the fucking man. It's just my, my issue with RDA is, look, man, he's getting up there in age, man. I mean, that Kiesa fight was so alarming to me, man. Like, 
I know RDA, like, not to discredit, yes, I know he can be a matchup problem. I know he's long. I know he's deceptively strong. I get all that. But, like, I really think a couple of years ago, RDA busts up a guy like Kiesa. The Felder fight, I disagree with it being a split. I had Dos Anjos winning all five rounds. But I, st- but I still kind of view that fight like, you know, two older guys just out there having, you know, a nice little fight. Whereas I think that Moicano might be projecting upwards now. And I know he's taken some KO losses. I know he's taken some setbacks. He's also had some big wins, too. Listen, I mean, everybody goes through the ups and downs, man. RDA got knocked the fuck out by Jeremy Stevens early on in his career. He started his UFC career 0-2, man. Like, so tons of guys have taken losses and come back better. So... I think if we get uh, Moicano that's in shape, I'm actually going to take him for the upset, man. I think that there's a big size difference here, man. I think he's going to be a lot taller, a lot longer. He's got the volume edge. And on the mat, I mean, this guy's a serious black belt too. And RDA, um, now I don't want to sit here and talk about how many times RDA has been taken down lately because, you know, granted it has been against, uh, you know, Kamara Usman who landed 12 takedowns or Colby who landed seven. But but what about like Leon landing three and Kiesa landing six takedowns on him? Like he can be taken down. Hanato's got a good body lock. Um, Hanato's the much bigger man, so I would not be surprised to see Hanato have some success in these grappling exchanges. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying he's going to submit RDA. That would shock me if that happened. I'm just saying that you know he can kind of be the be the bigger man. You know, body lock him, kind of ride the back a little bit, and then on the feet. You know, Dos Anjos, you got to look out for that devastating left kick from the southpaw stance. He's got some good hands, too. Hinato has been cracked before, um, but Hinato is pretty damn long. Um, he pops that jab. He's got those good straight punches. He's got a calf kick game of his own. So it's just really about where's Hinato at. If Hinato is in shape, focused, and he hasn't been fucking off and eating Brazilian churrasca, you know, some uh, house special picanha every single day, I think he's got a good chance here, and I view it as a dog or pass situation. So I actually will take Hanato Moicano to come out here and get this upset. But this is the only one, the only fight on the card where I'll say, like, if I see Hanato with like love handles and just like, you know, looking fat, then I might switch my pick over to RDA. But if you give me Hanato, who I believe is on an upward trajectory, I think he actually comes out here and gets the biggest win of his career and gets this upset. So give me a Hanato Moicano to upset the legend, the future Hall of Famer, Rafael Dos Anjos. Main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We got a five-round main event between Colby Chaos Covington. He's 16-3. and He's taking on Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, who is 35-15. and and currently, they got Colby Covington minus 315. The comeback on Jorge Masvidal is plus 270. So, Shaq, I mean, like I like I said at the beginning of the show, I mean, you remember when we used to watch those videos of Jorge and Colby wrestling in their apartment, and it was a lot of fun. Y'all got to check that out on YouTube. Like, they just go back and forth and back and forth, and both these guys bring a lot to the table, man. I mean, the relentless pressure and pace of a guy like Covington back to the talk I've been saying I I, I get that you guys are probably sick of hearing me talk about this but he's another one of these guys that can attempt takedown after takedown after takedown like let me pull up these numbers because it's not just about the takedowns he's landed it's about the takedowns that he's attempted and the fact that this guy does not get tired like uh I know that Tyron Woodley you know doesn't throw any punches but he's he is a former D1 wrestler (laughs) Colby Covington attempted eight uh eight takedowns in that fight uh you look at the robbie lawler fight he goes out there he lands 
10 out of 16 takedowns. And when you can attempt 16 takedowns, that pace is going to break, guys. But look, Jorge Masvidal, I mean, such a vet of the game. He's got very underrated takedown defense, by the way. And for the most part, not always, but for the most part, when Jorge loses fights, they tend to be like close competitive fights. Like the majority of his losses are split decisions that, you know, some may maybe not all, but some think he might have won, man. Like, uh, but I know he's coming off a devastating knockout loss, but at least he's had, you know, how much time has he had to recover since that loss to Kamaru? Um, yeah, close to a year. Whereas this this is one thing I'm um I'm saying that favors Jorge is that uh Colby just fought Kamaru like only a few months ago, and that was like a brutal ass five round fight. Uh Kamaru got two knockdowns in that fight. Colby ate a, a like over 123 significant strikes. Like that was a tooth and nail war. And you know, maybe that has no effect on this, but sometimes when guys go through those kind of wars, like I I, I do want to see them take those six months to a year off and come back. This does seem kind of rushed. Uh, but at the same time, Jorge Masvidal, can you believe this shit? He's 37 years old. Like, damn, like, isn't that crazy how much time flies, man, that Jorge is already 37? Like, dude, I remember being in fucking college watching Jorge fight Paul Daly on some shitty-ass shark fight stream. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we grew up with this guy. I remember him watching him fight Gilbert Melendez in Force, watching the street fight videos like Jorge. Like, I remember when we met him in Atlanta when he fought Ross Pearson. Like, he'll always have my respect. And then Colby's actually been on half the battle twice, so we fuck with him too. Um, So I like both these guys a lot. But basically, as long as Colby, you know, recovered fine from his Usman fight. And yeah, I know that the George one was a lot worse, but what I'm saying is George has at least had a full year to recover. I just do kind of think that Colby can push that pace on Jorge. And I do think the early going is going to be sketchy, man. I mean, look, Jorge has got some big body kicks. Jorge is boxing for MMA standards is on point, man. He establishes his jab. He goes to the body. He drops guys a lot. I mean, Jorge from time to time, like when Jorge is motivated, he'll go out there and really impress people a lot with some of the performances he puts on. So you never know. And plus the dynamic of them actually knowing each other, there's not going to be much of an element of surprise here. Both guys know exactly what each guy wants to do. So that's actually like a big, a bigger factor than people will lead on. Um, but I'm still going with Colby to come out here, push the pace on him. Might be kind of close early, but down the stretch, I do see just the relentless pace, the takedown attempt after takedown attempt. Like like I said, he might not get the first few takedowns, but I do think he'll get the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and eventually grind down Masvidal and win a unanimous decision. So give me Colby Covington to win this fight. Yeah, man, I think Masvidal's best days are behind him. Love the guy, great fighter, but I just don't... um... I think he, you know, I mean, look, he was a superstar. I mean, you knock out Till and Ben Askren like that. I mean, things things blow up. But I, let's just be honest here. How what's Darren Till's record in his last, uh, you know, five six fights? I mean, you you tell me. Uh, ben Askren, that guy sucks. Um, and, and you know, but hey, he was his first loss. He did his thing. But I just think his sense of himself got a little bit inflated and. 
now he might have to pay the price for it. Um, I think Covington, look, man, we know what he brings to the table. Amazing wrestler, Division One, all that good, all that good jazz. He can box as well. I mean, Kobe, Kobe can throw shots. He can throw shots, maybe not KO power, but I mean, he can he can stay in that pocket and dish him out as well. And, and he can take him too. Um, I mean, Usman cracked him a couple, a few times, and I mean, he stayed in there and and came back to and came back to win round. So, um. Yeah, look, I, I don't like Covington, uh, you know, as a as a person, but as a fighter, a great, amazing fighter. Um, he was nice. Yeah, uh, fucking. Uh, but you know, George Masvidal, man, I just think I don't. I, what I'm saying, kind of what I was saying about Alejandro Perez and um and uh, Mowgli Benitez. Not that he's a Mexican fighter, but just I, I'm not sure if he's in the same condition as he was a few years ago. Um, like you know when he was making his run to that to that title i think uh now that you add in that usman vicious ko loss not saying that he's that's gonna keep him gun shy but you know at 36 37 when you take a, a flat line ko like that where you are like legitimately snoring you know do you come back the same you know i don't think it's that hard to drop guys like you know diaz and ben Askren and you know till with his chin sky high up in the air man i think that uh Covington has better fundamentals than those guys. Um, you know, it's 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 quite funny, like because Diaz and um, Darren Till probably, you know, are are viewed as as better strikers than um, Covington. But man, if you actually like just watch the facts, it's or look at the stats, <laughs> it's just debate. It's, it's debatable. <laughs> like, um, yeah, he might throw cleaner punches, but. He doesn't get as much done, man. Um, but yeah, man, I he gotta go with Covington here. I just think he's younger, a little, a little more fresher. I think his his damage meter is getting up there too at thirty four. But I, you know, he's George has got a few more fights on him, um, a lot more miles. Um, so yeah, I, I gotta go with Covington just by typical Covington man, just pushing him on the fence, doing his thing. He'll probably eat a couple big shots, but like. The kid's got a chin, man. Like it ain't like he's gonna like I I don't I don't like the narrative that you know George is like banking. I mean, look, George has not guys out one hundred percent, but I mean, if you're just banking that this kid is gonna fold to you like off a punch, like I just think it's kind of amusable. So I'm gonna go. Uh, Co- like Covington has displayed a lot of heart. Like you can say whatever you want about him, but when shit hits the fan, he 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 picks up his nutsack and he and he and he fights so like uh i gotta go with covington and to your credit uh about you know you know this whole darren till thing i mean i've never seen darren till go out there land 179 strikes in the fight darren like till, like i said what's darren till's record in his last uh five six fights i've never seen <laughs> till land 179 strikes like colby did versus lawler i've never seen till land you know, 143 strikes like colby did against kamara like colby can put up numbers standing but it's that wrestling where where it's really at for him. But again, yeah, like you said, don't sleep on a stand-up. But if they stand and bang, I'm not saying Colby loses that fight, but, you know, that gives Jorge the chance. But just giving him that threat of the takedown, consistently pushing him up against the fence, grinding him down to where, you know, that those those, you know, that energy level starts to diminish. That's when the takedowns are going to start to come easily. And that's where I'm wondering what happens, what Colby does on top. Is Jorge going to pop back up? Is Colby going to get off on some ground and pound? Like, that's some questions I have. But, yeah, I mean, the pick is Colby here. So we're going to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. But before we do that, everyone do us a huge favor. Smash that like button for us. Um, 
subscribe to the channel. And then also after this video, comment, like give us comments, uh, share, like, comment, retweet, all that stuff. All those little things you guys do help the channel tremendously. Um, Cause this is just me and Shaq here. You know, we don't have any big website backing us. This is just literally us doing this for the fans. So the more you guys help us out, the more the show grows. So we truly appreciate it. Now, Shaq, let's talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So you're in your opinion, my man, what is the fight to watch for UFC 272? Um, my fight to watch is gonna be. I'm gonna go with Jamie Malarkey versus uh, Jalen Turner, man. I think you know lightweight division, the best division in the UFC. Um, I mean the winner of this fight is gonna get a big fight next, especially Jalen. If Jalen comes out here and and finishes finishes uh Malarkey, and if Malarkey finishes him. Malarkey's invited to the barbecue, man. I mean, that would have been <laughs> that would have been three three brothers he finished in a row. Like, damn, Malarkey, like you got something against us? Like, no, I'm just playing. But I think uh, I think yeah, the winner of this fight is getting a big fight, man. I think uh, Jalen Turner. I mean, the way he's been looking, especially that last fight. If he if he comes out here in, impressive performance, like don't be shocked if he's in a you know a, a pretty marquee fight so that's my fight to watch my fight to watch is yan jana versus marina rodriguez i mean this is number three versus number four there are title implications with a you know decisive victory on either side and i'm just very curious to see if this fight plays out how the line indicates or if it plays out how i think it's going to go which is a close tooth and nail back and forth technical striking match where you know you see the two of the best strikers in the strawweight division, just going at it. And I want to know if there's value on that plus 250 on Yan and I took us prior to the Esparza fight, I would have taken plus 250 odds on Yan against anybody in the division. But now it's like, okay, maybe people that can't wrestle. Well, Marina's not known for wrestling. She's hit one takedown in her entire UFC career. So I want to see, is Marina really that much better standing than Yan Zhanan to where she should be close to minus 300? Like, and, and take away the odds, take all that away. This is just going to be an exciting fight, man. This is just going to be a back and forth fight like I expect it to be, hopefully. And we'll see what happens. But for those reasons, Marina Rodriguez or Yan Xiaonan is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch? Uh, my fighter to watch is going to be Tagir Ulanbekov, man, the flyweights. I love the flyweights. And I think he's got a, a good matchup on his hands. Sameli had been around the block. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows Tim. I'm sure Ulanbekov was watching Tim when he, you know, was a youngster and uh, having, you know, aspirations about being in the UFC. So, yeah, he's my fighter to watch. Uh, uh, you know, daggy fighter, flyweight. I don't think he's getting enough credit in the flyweight division. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a future champ or a future top five whatever but uh, i see this guy being around for a while he's young he's hungry he can wrestle he's tough i've seen him in there against tough guys scrambling around the place and i think this is a, a good fight for him to get his name out there i mean you finish you beat tim ellis beat tim Elliott, yet alone finish him i mean big things are coming i got two fighters to watch bryce mitchell and kevin holland look with bryce mitchell i think if he comes out here and beats Edson Barbosa. I mean, when you hear the name Edson Barbosa, it's like, oh my God, it's Edson Barbosa. You think about the spinning wheel kick, head kick knockout against Terry Adam. You think about the body kick knockout against Evan Dunham. You think about the leg kick knockouts. He had two of them, I believe, against Mike Lulo and Rafaelo Oliveira. The brutal punch he landed against Shane Burgos. I mean, Edson Barbosa is one of the most decorated knockout artists in the history of the sport. But this kid, Bryce Mitchell, the blueprint's been laid out on how to beat Edson Barbosa. Kevin Lee showed it. Again, I'm not going to bring up Habib just because I'm 
don't want to deal with this bullshit about, oh, you're comparing Bryce to Habib. No, I'm not. Kevin Lee laid it out, and Makwa and I already explained what he did wrong in that fight. I think Bryce has got the style to come out here and beat him, and if he does beat him, Watch out, guys, because uh, you're going to have his star is going to elevate to that next level. And he's going to be someone that, uh, you know, the UFC is going to really start pushing a lot. And on Kevin Holland's behalf, I mean, you know, this is a guy who will fight anybody, anytime, any place. And now he's dropping down to 170 pounds where he has massive physical advantages. He's taking on a staple of the division, Alex Oliveira. He gets a win here. And all of a sudden, I think his stock rises back up. So for those reasons, Bryce Mitchell and Kevin Holland are my fighters to watch at UFC 272. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night live at the T-Mobile Arena. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05 on Twitter. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Follow the podcast at Half the Battle HQ. Also on Instagram at Half the Battle Pod. Uh, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. All the places where we are available, smash the like button, smash the subscribe button, leave us a comment afterwards, share this, whatever it takes. Uh, we truly appreciate it. Uh, hashtag free Cain Velasquez. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.